Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 42 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Heather Baxendale of Word of Hellmouth podcast. Welcome back, Heather. Thank you for having me back. It's been so long. I think I've gotten even more gray hair. They're shining. Oh, wow. Okay. Just uh, keep, just continue <laughs> holding at the outer marker. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, minute 42 begins with Trudeau getting ready to make a speech and ends with a shot of the departure board getting filled up. So yesterday we, we ended things with just two seconds of, of our, our, our good friend, uh, Fred Dalton Thompson, uh, putting on a headset. We thought maybe he's listening to some music. And as this minute begins, he gives a speech that basically lasts almost the entire minute. It's 55 seconds. That's you pretty know. good. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to read through the whole thing instead of, uh, you know, stopping along the way. And then we'll, we'll go back uh, uh, to specific points, you know, along the way. So he starts off by, you know, he puts puts the headphones on. And he goes, this is Dulles approach to all aircrafts holding at Potomac Vortac. We are experiencing some technical problems here. The weather conditions, which have been deteriorating all day, have now been complicated by uh, by an unforeseen human factor. This has affected all of our electrical electronic equipment and the redundant backups as well. As a result, our nav and approach systems are down and we expect to lose voice in another minute. We want you to continue holding at the outer marker as directed and wait for further instructions. As soon as we're back online, we'll expedite your landings on a fuel emergency basis. Good luck. God bless. So <laughs> I think it's a great speech, but the, the, the joke of this whole movie is that, you know, if at this point he would have just given a speech saying we're closing the airport, that would have been it. You know, you'd think, yeah, you'd think that, <laughs> that's right. You'd think that logically, you know, this type of, of problem, that's what you would do. You know, you know that there are terrorists. You know that, that, that your systems are down. You have one minute to tell everybody what you want to tell them. So, you know what? Don't land here. Land at National. Go to Thurgood Marshall, which wasn't called Thurgood Marshall at the time, in Baltimore. You know, there are plenty of other places that you can go uh i i know that that the passengers won't be happy that they're being uh le- that they're landing somewhere else but i'll give you a hint the people on uh, the people on windsor uh 114 uh <laughs> are would probably be much happier <laughs> landing in baltimore you know that's <laughs> I, I don't know yes there's 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 a lot of of options that could have been made here that would have worked a lot better certainly for the safety of everyone but i mean that's kind of what happens in in these kinds of movies and scenarios and it's one of those things that that drives me crazy but i also understand it's just part of it you know it's it's the hey there's a problem here and someone is staunch and going nope don't want to hear you la 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 i cannot hear you the the whole entire willful ignorance like mclean has been warning everybody from the start of this hey we got problems. Hey, something's going on here. Hey, why aren't you guys paying attention? And everybody keeps blowing him off. So while it isn't a rational reaction, 
It's needed it, for the it plot. Is. <laughs> it's needed for the plot, but it is also consistent with everybody else in the movie to go, no, we could solve this problem, but instead, let's try and make everything seem okay on the outside. Which also, in fairness, is something that I believe could happen. Yes. Maybe not in this particular scenario. But we also look at this, and this came out, I think, in 1990. Yes. I mean, you have people smoking in the airport, and you have the the reporter that comes into the, the um, I don't know, what is the place called where all the, the, the air people are, where, where Trudeau is. Yeah, and in, just in walking the, in there like air, it's no big deal. The control tower. The control tower. Thank you. Thank you. The control tower. The control tower. Um, but so you have all these things happening, which also today, in today's day and age, as a post 9-11 society, it's really mind boggling to see. It's in some ways, it's kind of like, uh, uh, oh, OK, so that's what you guys are doing. Yeah, no wonder everything went to shit. But, you know, it's 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 definitely it, there's definitely a consistency with it through through the movie. But it is one of those tropes that drives me absolutely insane. Right. But and also, too, in his speech, he mentions all of these things and the reasons for it. There's a blizzard outside, man. You can but he says unforeseen human factors. Like if I'm a pilot and I'm hearing that unforeseen human factors, what the heck is going on here? Yes. I'm going to be fairly alarmed. Yeah, like why does he even need to mention that? <laughs> Just say like we have problems with weather conditions, you know, and and, and to say that we're 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 losing power and and you know, we're going to lose voice. So as soon as you say that, again, it goes back to the logical explanation of okay, we're temporarily closing the airport. You know, it's that simple. Yep, and problems are solved that way. You get your terrorists who can land, or figure out what you're going to do about the terrorists who are going to land, and you've saved all these innocent people who are in flight. And for some of us that are really, really afraid of flying, running out of fuel in the sky is not something we want to think about. Just yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be aware of the fact that this uh, you know this is what was happening because you are not in the cockpit listening in you know and you're also not Victor listening on his on his uh, you know on his own radio you know most people listen it's the 90s now clearly people can go wherever they want on planes here <laughs> in control towers <laughs> there are no rules it's the wild west of of the air. <laughs> Correct. No, that's more or less what it is, but it's just it's just funny the way that 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 they portray it here. You know, the, the he gives this this 52 second speech that that could have been just, you know, 10 seconds by saying, you know, we're having problems, we're closing the airport. Uh this movie's over. You know, that that's more or less what what they would have said. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I love the fact that he says, you know, it's effective over all of our equipment and the redundant backups, meaning we do have redundant backups, but they don't work because, you know, whoever has, you know, this this human factor has also dealt with the redundant backups. You know, because. Which, again, as a pilot, if you're getting this information, your level of concern has to be pretty high. Yeah. What we can't land? They're not sending us elsewhere. What the heck is going That's on? That's right. And you, you. I mean, one of the things that they do, I like the way that they do this, is during his speech, we get shots of four different uh, cockpits. 
Okay, we Yeah. And guess who one of those people We'll get there. Were. We'll get there in a second. So the first one no, the first no. one we get is the Northeast Airlines uh crew, which is, you know, the 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 crew of Holly's plane. You know, we see them and they do have concern on their faces listening to this, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Then we see a shot of it of in a an external shot of a Fuji airplane. Um, and then we see the crew. And one of them even starts talking in Japanese, I guess, trying to explain to the others what it is that's being said, possibly. Then we have another plane, which you can't really tell uh, what what that fake airline is, but they actually linger quite a long time on the 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 you know on the the crew of that one. And the pilot looks really familiar, but they I couldn't find him on IMDb. Yeah. Me either. I looked him up and and then I went back again right before we recorded today to look up again just because I I thought maybe I'd somehow missed it, but I didn't find him either. Well, now I feel validated because you also Yeah. Did that. I mean, you the, the the design on the plane is very cool, you know, the but you can't tell what country it is or what, you know, or the name of the the flight. Maybe maybe at the, in the final scene in the movie they'll show them again. But they don't. None of these characters, none of these three characters, or the the Fuji Air characters are are listed in IMDb. They don't get credit because none of them, I guess, have anything to say, except in Japanese, maybe. I don't know. Um, and then they show the fourth plane, which <laughs> is the one that you're that you were referring to, which is Windsor Air. Yes. And then we we get a shot of the co-pilot, and then we get a shot of the engineer, and then we get a shot of the pilot, who is miles o'brien <laughs> yes cole meanie i get so excited whenever i see cole meanie in anything though he's so wonderful yeah but yes most people know him as as uh miles o'brien from from star mm-hmm. trek star trek next generation and next generation from deep space and nine deep space nine which is how i go to bed every night so i hear cole meanie's voice going to bed usually he's stressed out but that's true that's his job <laughs> well it's because of his wife you know What's her name? Kiki? I'm trying to remember his voice. Yeah, and she's always having children, and then she's losing children, and then somebody else is having their children. And Deep Space Nine gets weird if you haven't watched it, folks. I have to go back and re-watch that one of these days. Next Generation, about three years ago, I went and re-watched it, and and I loved re-watching it. It was a lot of fun. So this is one yeah. that, you know, my, my, my eventual goal is to rewatch then Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise. You know, I mean, personally, personally, I love Picard. I think Picard is the best of all of them. I've, I'm just so enthralled by the by the ideas of Picard, except for the fact that, you know, Picard is basically a long movie each season, you know, because the, the, the shows on you know, on the old, the, the episodes on the old shows were all standalone. You know, there, there, there were things that, yeah. that, that were connected here and there, but they're mostly standalone. And nowadays, the way they make TV shows is they want to have a, an arc that goes across the entire, uh, the entire show. There's, you know, procedurals will, will do it a little differently, but, but most shows, the idea, even the Star Wars shows, you know, the idea is, okay, we, Instead of yeah. giving you a two-hour movie in the theater, we're now going to give you an eight-hour movie that you can watch, you know, 45 minutes or 50 minutes of each week for the next uh, two months. So I'm a... Which I I enjoy that, but I also enjoy side quests. 
I, I like the I like the standalone episodes. They can be fun. You have the ability to be more creative with those. And also too, for someone like like myself and I, or myself and I, myself and my husband, when we pull up a Deep Space Nine episode when we're going to bed at night and it's halfway through it, we could go, oh, hey, we can just kind of watch this episode or and figure out what's going on. But 90% of the time we're like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> uh, okay. And then eventually we actually watch the series all together and we're like, you know what? We still don't know what's going on, even though we're watching it all in order. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that's just the beauty of Deep Space Nine. No, we get it. We get yeah. it. It's just wild. But but yeah, there's there's that the that aspect of it too, where it's it's harder for people to join in on a series if if you do have those those long right. running themes, which I I prefer. But once I'm in, well, I I, I like the long the 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 long term uh you know plots also. But for me, and you and I talked about this a little bit uh, you know before we were recording, I'm a completionist. So you know for me. Like when Picard was on, I didn't watch it every week. I waited till they finished it. And then I sat down and watched all 10 episodes, one after the other, in order to, you know, then watch it, you know, on a whole, as opposed to every week having to try to say to myself, wait a second, what happened last week? You know, and then it just flows much better when you're, when you're watching it uh, that way. I've done that for all the Star Wars things also. I agree. I agree. And the irony of this is that's how we used to have to watch all of our shows. <laughs> and with commercial breaks. No, forget between. about that. And what about reruns? You know, you, oh, you know, back then right. they would have 24 episodes or 26 episodes or 22 episodes, depending on the show from October through May. And, you know, every week you would say, Oh, it's going to be a new episode of quantum leap. Right. And then you start watching it and you're like, oh, I've seen this one already. You know, this this <laughs> this was last season. This was this was on earlier this season. You know, they, they they do that. I, I I remember. You know, I used to always read in TV Guide. You know, whether shows were were uh, reruns or not, and then you would know whether it's worth rewatching it or not. Uh, but nowadays they they do that less. I started doing that when I got older yeah. too. Yeah, but I'm I'm like you too. There's there's only a few shows that I'll watch uh, week to week. I'll do. Um, Anything Mando, Star Wars, I'm I'm watching it week to week. I can't. I mean, sometimes I actually make it a couple weeks, but that's because I watch them with husband and child. So we all have to be on the same page to watch them with our schedules. But otherwise, I would watch them week to week. Mando, Mando, I actually, so even the, the, this last season that just came out, I waited. It's, it's very difficult. I agree because I'm trying to not catch spoilers and stuff like that. But, but I like you know, watching it all in a row because then you see how the story plays out. It's much more yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, it's much more enjoyable because it is. It's like it's like a long movie. There's a few side quests that you get in there, but usually the side quests have some kind of information that's pertinent to the main storyline. Right. Too. So it is. It's it's far more enjoyable to watch it that way. But I mean that's that's one of the great things about streaming services now too, is you can binge watch, you can watch all of those things in a row. And a lot of a lot of them like Netflix. I love it when they're like, "Oh, here we're giving you a new season right. of Witcher. We're giving you all of the episodes at once." And I'm like, "Taking the day <laughs> off of work. Thank you very yes. much." I do that once a year. Only once okay. a year. That's pretty good. <laughs> but it is. If if that yeah. actually if that I think the last I think season two I didn't do it on, but I did do it on season one. I took a. I took the whole day off. It, it was I know because it was released in December and I remember it. I enjoyed myself all day long. <laughs> and have you rewatched it since? Oh yeah. Witcher I've actually um 
I've probably rewatched that like three or four times at least. But those Maybe times you didn't more. have to take the whole day off. There's only two. No, because I already know what's going to happen. I've read all the books too. I've played all the video games. I'm, I'm familiar with the lore. Now it's one of those things that's just, I can put on his background noise and I know what they're going to say before <laughs> they say it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Now, I was very impressed that Trudeau is very calm the entire time that he's, that he's giving the speech. You know. Yes, he's yes. very professional. He doesn't panic at all. And, you know, if I was in his situation and I knew that there were terrorists around that were planning something really big, yeah, you know, I'd be much more trepidatious with the way that I'm, I'm telling people about these things. But that's why they bring real actors in to do this. No. <laughs> well, that's true. But I also, I would hope that in a situation such as this, if it were to occur, that you would have someone that was calm and able to handle it because he's in a high stress job anyway. Like no matter what, that's even as a bureaucrat, it's still a stressful job. You have to you have to hold your yourself together in situations that other people may otherwise right. fall apart in. But he does like you said, he did a really good job of it. And Fred Thompson did a good job of being Trudeau in it, the combination of the two, it ended up being yeah, a really it's true. good moment. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little surprised that he's so candid uh, by at the same time being deceptive. You know, he's sort of, he's telling them information, but he's really telling them nothing. You know, we know, we know because exactly. we know the full story, but, but, you know, all of these uh, 12 pilots and, and engineers that we just saw that are listening in have absolutely no idea what's going on. You know, they, they hear no. what he's saying, but they, they don't understand. Which is why they're they're also being professional and doing what they're supposed to. But you can see, and I think that's partly why, well, they 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 do four different planes and four different sets of, of pilots. So you're getting an idea by watching that part, too, that there are a lot of yes. flights out there. It's not just Holly. And they're from all different places. There. So you have they're the very international. Thing. Yes, they're from all over. So you have the scale of it, which, you know, that that elevates all of the risk yes. factor here, too. It's not just them. All of these people could potentially die. This is a big deal. So it, it does that aspect of it. But you get to see their reactions, too, which are, oh, something isn't right. But we're going to do what we have to do because that's our right. job. And that's what we're here to do. It, it's all very professional with that underlying sinister feeling underneath it. Right. It's, it's very effective. That's right. And... You know, we, we get a shot of one of the controllers behind him and you see like his screen is flickering. You know, that, uh, you know, which which again goes back to the idea, you know, that that Stuart was talking about, you know, the, about them being uh, deaf and blind, which they weren't either at the time. You know, they were still able to see everything and they're still able to to hear and they were still able to speak. You know, he didn't turn them off yet. He just saw that they, they there were certain things that they they couldn't change, you know, that type of thing. And then we get a shot of Lorenzo, who gives a huge sigh, you know, as this is all going on. <laughs> I love Dennis Brunt. And and Barnes just looks around. Me too. Speaking of someone who's not holding their crap together very well, he's doing a much, much lower level of job as far as that is concerned. Yeah. Next to Trudeau. He's much more yes. reactive. Yes. And then uh, the shot changes and we get a shot of the... Uh, the main terminal on the inside. You see in the distance a, a blurry shot of something that says departures with a whole bunch of of uh, you know yellow 
text in the distance. You can't read exactly what it says there. And, you know, right before this, we heard Trudeau say, he goes, all right, change the boards. You know, so then, you know, the last few seconds of this minute, you know, we see a, a woman getting on an escalator. We see a whole bunch of people standing, just st sitting and standing around, I guess, waiting for some loved one to, to show up or for them to fly themselves. We see on the left-hand side a poster of an ad that says Toast of the Slopes. Okay. Now, I looked it up. Do you know what that is? It is a no. slogan for, for Miller uh, Genuine Draft Beer. And it's great. I mean, the, the shot that they have awesome. here is of someone doing, I guess, a ski jump. You know, we don't see we don't see the top of it, so we can't see that it says. I don't recommend drinking beer and going skiing. Probably bad things. Bad right. things. Yeah, you're absolutely right, though. I see. Yeah. I see the skis now. <laughs> and then and then we have we have the like two beer. um, I guess sets of uh of payphones. But above them, it basically says car rental info. Now, I remember that. I remember you used to get into an airport and you'd there would be a bank of telephones that you would go over and you would pick them up and you would call whatever rental car agency that you were using, whether it was, uh, you know, Alamo or, or Best or uh, Avis or, or whatever. So, and you know, you would call them directly and they'll say, okay, so what you need to do is we have a, a van that'll come around and pick you up and bring you to the thing or whatever it is. You know, so I, I just find it really cool that they have two rows uh, or two, I guess you can maybe call them clusters of of phones just yeah. for that. But so that would basically mean that all these people are waiting at the arrivals because you don't need them by the departures, you know, so. no. So, have you ever been to the airport during the holidays like this? Yeah, sure. Not not necessarily. In, I don't think in Dulles, but yeah. Okay, I'm just curious because other than when I was very young, picking my dad up a few times, and we never went in. We just wait outside. Well, you could have just left your in, car because so. you didn't want to get your car towed like uh, John McClane does. Correct. Correct. My mom also sometimes his flights would come back at weird times of night too. And my mom would not go into any public place. Like, my mom wouldn't even go to a gas station to go. She smoked Virginia Slims when I was a kid. Uh, she wouldn't even go into the gas station if she didn't have makeup and her hair done when I was a kid. So there was no way we were going into the airport at, you know, 9 or 10 o'clock at night without her makeup and hair done. So we'd sit and we'd just wait for them. But I've, I've, I've seen, you see this in movies all the time. I've never been in an airport where it's been this packed. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious if it's actually like this, the madness is actually a legit thing with this many people, person to person. Now, obviously, that's not the case because they don't let people in past certain points right. if you're picking someone up with security. But I mean, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I wonder how realistic this perspective of wall-to-wall -wall people actually I is. I don't know. They needed it. So, And in plane trains and automobiles, they had a few shots with tons of people in the airports. So, you know, and that that's also, it's a different holiday season, but it is a holiday season. So, I don't know. It is. And then we get a shot of two boards. One of them is departures and one of them is arrivals. So, this, this is supposed to give us somewhat of an indication as to what time this is. Now, so we know from a few weeks ago, you know, at the beginning of the movie, 
when we had Cochran Miller and Garber, you know, getting ready to to go do their nefarious stuff, uh, you know, in the baggage area. Okay, they looked at their watches and they set their watches to 350. Okay, there's no way that this is only 40 minutes later. A lot has happened. No. Okay, because no, if you look at the no board, way. so, you know, on the departures, there is a flight that was supposed to depart for Hawaii at 4.30. Okay, and it says remarks closed. I don't know what that really means. I don't know. Um, and then... But the 5.30 is And delayed. then you have 5.30, and then they're, they're starting to delay things. So you have 5.30 is delayed, 5.45 is delayed. Those are to Denver and Toronto. Then you have a flight to Baltimore, okay, 6.01, and it also says closed. Maybe closed that people are already on the flight, but again, that doesn't make sense. It's an hour and a half difference here with that because it's what time it will depart. You know, not, you know, something has been delayed, they'll change the time. You know, that type yeah. of thing. Um, so basically they show us time is between 4.30 and 7.10 for the departures. And for the arrivals, it shows us from 5.30 to 7.30. So the assumption is, is that maybe it's 5, 5.15, 5.30 now, something like that. I still think it's much later because it doesn't make sense that that all of this happened within an hour or an hour and a half. No, there's way too much. In fact, I mean, this is, I think, part we're watching now. Is it about the 45 minute mark of the the movie ish area 42 and <laughs> 42 minutes into the movie yeah yeah 42 minutes okay so we're 42 minutes into the movie right now yeah there's absolutely no way all of that stuff went down in 45 Correct. minutes absolutely yeah, especially not. after Cochran was dead and and you know you have the 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 coroner come and and then he he calls al and gets the facts and i mean yeah, that's right. He learns the facts. That's he's right. Getting, he's getting friendly with technology. That's right. <laughs> I think he's getting more friendly with, with, with the girl behind the counter than with the technology, but okay, that that's fine. But it helped him. It helped him get what he yes. needed. He got a honeypot a little yes. bit. That is very true. <laughs> um, we'll talk a, we'll talk yeah, a little yeah, bit more about these flight numbers uh, tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so okay, cool. that's all I have basically for the, uh, for, for, for this minute do you have anything you want to say about about it before we get into the script no i i, I for me it was just more this whole scenario was just kind of like the airport etiquette because i haven't experienced it like i know that those things particularly because i'm located in detroit we have a lot of stuff that is delayed regularly because of yes weather weather often so so I hear, but I hear it all the time with people where they do have delays and stuff. And I never heard that until recently, but it happens in movies all the time. Everything's delayed. Everything's shut down. I'm like, that doesn't really happen that often. Right. More so in recent years, I've been aware of this happening, but I don't know how much it has to actually do with the weather rather than the airlines and being short staffed and, and other problems. The human factor. Airlines in general. <laughs> unforeseen human factors, unforeseen human factors. Right. Yeah. Right there, you nailed That's it. Right. Nailed it. <laughs> right. So, you know, yesterday I mentioned the fact that the, the script, this is actually the page before yesterday's uh, minute happened. But uh, it's pretty much word for word, all of Trudeau's speech. You know, they didn't change it at, at all. Uh, the, the one thing that it says here, it says at the beginning, Trudeau turns to Barnes and says, put me on all bands. And then it says Trudeau waits as switches are thrown and then takes the jack from the earphone he wears and jacks it into a panel. 
And then again, his speech goes through the whole thing. It says he turns to a tech face, it's face ashened, and then tells him to change the boards. And then it says angle of a bank of arrival monitors. Already a quarter of the planes are delayed by weather, but now in the domino-like pattern, all the remaining flight data changes to delayed. Camera adjusts to show people's reacting with frustration and concern. Yeah, if they're there, uh, if they're there at the arrivals and they're picking people up, which again, that's a lot of people, but okay, they're picking people up and they know that their flight is due any minute. Or because of technology, they've talked to people on the airplane phones like Holly. They know that they're coming in, supposed to be coming in soon. Then, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm I'm not going to be mad that there's a delay. I'm going to be concerned, mostly because of the weather. And how many people actually knew that people are getting shot up and killed? <laughs> well, a lot more are going to know real soon. <laughs> that is very true. All right. So every Tuesday, we have a segment called Disaster Tuesday which what I do is I try to highlight some sort of uh, uh, famous person who unfortunately was killed in some sort of oh, you're uh, not helping air, my, my fear uh, flying incident. here. I'm well so, aware of most of these, so go ahead, proceed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, well, I, I usually try to find something similar or in, in a place close to where my guest is from, but uh, you know, from Detroit, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find any any famous people that that were killed around you know Detroit in a thing. No, we've had we've had a couple of crashes that were awful, but yeah. Oh, yep. for sure. I I remember that Northwest one, but but those are the, I don't go into those big ones. I'm just doing little ones. You know, I I don't want to be too drab here. You know, I don't I don't. Wanna, <laughs> I want to try and keep things a little bit upbeat. I mean, so I talk about people that 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 we sort of know. We're gonna. We're going to talk about death via plane, but we're going to be upbeat about it. It's cool. <laughs> That's right. Very good. I'm glad I'm glad you, you've, you got the point of that, Heather. There you go. So so I'm assuming you've heard of Will Rogers, right? Did you know that Will, Will Rogers was killed in a plane crash? Okay. I did not know that. I... I uh, had forgotten that information or didn't know it or whatever. So he actually was an advocate for the aviation industry. And he was very good friends with Charles Lindbergh, who was obviously the most famous uh, aviator of the, the 1920s. Um, you know, he, when, when Rogers was in Europe in 1926, you know, he saw all the different European advances and, uh, you know, he wanted to make changes in America to make, you know, to keep up with the Joneses, keep up with the Europeans, you know, that type of thing. So in 1935, there's a famed aviator named Wiley Post who uh, wanted to start surveying mail and passenger air routes, uh, basically to go from the West Coast to Russia. Uh, so what he did was he created his own type of plane. He, you know, he took what was known as a Lockheed Explorer and connected it to a Lockheed or Orion. And, you know, he put floats so that he could land in lakes in Alaska and Siberia. And so Will Rogers was good friends with him and he would go visit him all the time uh, at the airport in uh, Burbank, uh, where Post was uh, constantly working and uh you know, modifying his his aircraft for this. 
And so at one point, Will Rogers asked Post to fly him to Alaska in order to search for new news stories. He was a newspaper columnist also, right? And so they did a test flight in July of 1935, and they made several stops in Alaska. And so Rogers then wrote all of his columns, you know, on a typewriter in the plane as they were they were flying. And, you know, he, he sent off all of his, uh, you know, stuff. And then uh, they were getting ready to, to, to fly back on August 15th uh, from Fairbanks to Point Barrow. Right. When they were 20 miles southwest of Point Barrow, they were having difficulty figuring their position because it was bad weather. And they tried landing in a lagoon to ask for directions. And then they they took off again, but the engine failed of the plane. And then the aircraft then plunged into the lagoon and sh- sheared off the right wing. And it flipped over and was in the shallow water of the lagoon. Uh, both men uh, died instantly you know, of, of the, the crash that they had because of the fact that it uh, flipped over. And, you know, it, a week later, uh, Rogers was buried in uh, Glendale, California. Uh, and then he was uh, moved in the end to the to Oklahoma, to the Will Rogers Memorial. Um, they there, There's a lot of disagreement as to what actually happened. They had ordered certain floats for the for the plane that that didn't work. And that the the design that they that they had was for, that they that they used was for a larger type of plane. So it already made the the plane was nose heavy as is, and it made it even heavier, which is they say was one of the factors of how it uh, flipped over. But then there's another group of scholars, I guess you can say, that say that uh, you know that the uh, that that something else caused the crash. You know the fact that uh, you know the cold weather and it stalled the the you know the airplane yeah. stalled or whatever it is so unfortunately the two of them were killed in this uh tragic accident uh i, I know you don't live near alaska no but, still, but and you know, i've heard i've heard that, that uh, before I, I don't remember what timeline it was but um i'm guessing it was probably about 10 to 15 years ago what timeline we, we we're, we're we not talking to. about the multiverse <laughs> yeah. um Yes, I think, we can. I think it was that probably 10 that to 15 years ago. I hadn't been on a plane since I was a small, small, small child, and I was terrified to fly. So what did I do? I started looking up famous people that had been killed on airplane crashes. But I, I found him on a list, okay. so I knew that he was he was someone that had, but I didn't know any of the circumstances or where or or any of it. Um, that's That's pretty rough. Although at least he was in Alaska. It's beautiful there. Yeah. At least it was a good place. Let's just, um, just, 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 I'm, I hey, so. we're trying but, to, but it's it was August. Doom and death. And yes, tragedy. we are, we are, we are. But no, but, but, um, you know, my, my idea here is, is that, you know, this is August and, you know, they were saying that, that the, you know, that, that the weather was, was terrible. I guess, I guess maybe it was raining or whatever. I don't, I, it must not have been snowing because I don't think it snows. And does it snow, snow in Alaska in, in August? Part of Alaska, know. yeah. And right Fairbanks? now it's all different. <laughs> it's completely changing. The everything's starting to melt up top, and it's actually colder south in southern Alaska. Yeah, I watch way too many right. nature shows. Hmm. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, you, you said that I read Wikipedia too much and you apparently watch it's too many true. nature it's videos. True. I know it, it's ironic because a lot of times, you know, you're in, <laughs> you're in kids in junior high, middle school, high school. They're like, I, I don't know why I need to learn all this information. I'm never going to use it in my life. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been there saying, said it, did it. And then I'm the same person who's like, I would like to know about all of the mating rituals of dolphins. Please give me that information. I will watch three hours on this, even though it will have no impact on my life whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, maybe it will one day. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'll be on one of your shows 10 years from now. And, and we'll be talking about we'll dolphins? That information. And you'll, yeah, you'll ask me a question about the mating rituals of dolphins, and I'll be here, and I'll actually have a correct answer for you. Yeah, you I'll, I'll do, I'll do like blackfish, and you'll be able to say, oh, I know about, uh, you know, mammals. <laughs> I know about mating. <laughs> Who knows? I, I will, I will mark that down and remember to invite you back for that if that ever happens. Thanks. How's that? Is that a deal? <laughs> deal. 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 All right. Great. So, Heather, you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah, you can find me on the interwebs all over the place. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast, we, Mark Armstead and I, do a Buffy rewatch show. It's called Word of Hellmouth. It's lots of fun. You can find it on any of your streaming services, all of them. It's on all of them, Spotify, the Googles, the Apples, all of that stuff. So you can go listen to us. And you should watch Buffy if you haven't, because Buffy is awesome. Okay, fair enough. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay yippee ki yay If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and there, 